Welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds coming to you probably not live because this is going to be pre-recorded. I'm in Morocco and today we have Chris Roberts, not very well known, kind of a kind of a <laughs> secret person in the industry, probably been looking to do this for three years now and on and off between uh, secret missions and everything. We finally, we finally gotten on this, uh, I don't know, somehow fairly good latency connection between here and Morocco at the moment where I'm at. Yeah, you got decent connection out yes. there. I've got it's probably better than, better than this neck of the woods, probably. Yeah, and surprisingly, I'm caught off guard with no agenda, and I'm sure no one ever calls you with an agenda. I mean, certainly doesn't happen. I mean, <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Do you know what it's like messaging you on LinkedIn, and it's like, can I get through? And then uh, I did find a way to hack. I, I did find a way to um, hack you. I can't tell you how it is. Can't uh, tell you. What yeah, it don't is. don't say that out loud, because then every man, woman, beast, and bloody child's <laughs> going to try the same damn thing. I swear. <laughs> I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after we do this. And again, really, um, no agenda other than I like your um, cryptic posts um, from time to time. I like when uh, you did a a toilet paper post during COVID, and I said, "What do you need toilet paper for? Just use water." And then people came out of the woodworks like, "What do you mean no toilet paper? You gotta have toilet paper, guy." <laughs> and people got all there. And then you played. You know, you were really kind. Actually, you were actually really kind to uh, all the people that were beating me up for saying that there's no need for toilet paper. It's called a bidet, like the rest of the world uses. Um, again, interestingly enough, because I'm in Morocco and people kind of laugh. You're in Morocco, so I mean, the B days. I mean, so I, I was over in Saudi November and I'm back over there again in March, and it's the yeah. same thing. I, 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 <laughs> like, what's the sink sprayer for? <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, and that's, I mean, I, I remember as a kid growing up because we spent a bunch of time in like Sardinia and various other places. And I remember looking at this thing going, this is freaking weird. And then they told me what I did with it. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And it, you know, the no. classic, like I say, it will solve life. We, one does not talk about the toilets. You know, what happens behind the door stays behind the door. <laughs> and um, I, I still, I mean, having still traveled so much and, you know, so many times walked into the bathroom and found those. Uh, actually, the cabin, the cabin up in Netherlands, um, the the person I'm looking after it for put in one of those blasted spray bidet things. Got to have it. Got I still to. haven't tried it. I still have It's got a heated seat. Oh, once it. you use that thing. Well, no, once you use the like kind of, I don't want to say ghetto, I guess in Saudi, what would they say in Saudi? They would say, they would say uh, Adi, Adi. They would say like, this is normal. Like Adi, this is normal. Oh, like, yeah, every yeah, every toilet has yeah. it. And yeah. um, for uh, for all those listening out there, if you really want a visual, uh, next to the toilet is the same sprayer like you used to have on the old sink that you would tape when you wanted to like, you know, spray one of your brothers or family members. You would tape it with some scotch tape. So then when you turn the water on, it sprays you. They have that next to the toilet. And there's no toilet paper. So if you can't live without toilet paper, like my wife and a few other people in my family would lose their mind when you stop at a gas station in the Middle East somewhere. There's just a sprayer there or a bucket a of water and, or something. And you, yep, and off you go. And you're like, no, no, no. But once you get used to the sprayer, once you get used to the sprayer, it's a very refreshing. I mean, if re very refreshing, uh, less less stained look and feel. Well, I think <laughs> you're like, how, what are you looking at? No, <laughs> you're totally right on this one. Because it's again, but if you take a, a different step back and you look at it from an Islamic standpoint, there's an entire, you know, that whole the whole cleanliness standpoint 
is an entire I mean the red not the regiment. I mean it's a nice way of doing it. Thou shalt keep thou self clean at all times. No wonder there's a sodding spray there. Cause I mean, yeah, toilet paper's nice, but it, it gets rid of most of it, but the rest of it gets spread around and kind of <laughs> hidden. Whereas sprayer, your ass is literally cleaned up. It's like a car wash and mini car wash every time. So so I, still, I've I've embraced I, the culture. I, I'm letting everyone know I have embraced the culture. They're like, I'm not eating at your house, Phil, anymore. Uh you know, here's the thing, though. It's uh, it's been around probably longer than flipping toilet paper's been around. Let's just face it. So at some point, yeah, y'all got to get used to it. No riots during COVID over here for over toilet paper. Remember the remember the lines and people fight. I think people. I think a few. I think numerous people got shot. Yeah, um, over toilet paper. And that shows and you ridiculous. The, you had those getting shot for toilet paper, and you had the hoarders. I mean, that that to me, again, it's human nature. Hoarders. Back to freaking human nature. I, I just. I don't mind if you have to go there to go get your dozen rolls or whatever, but you don't need to go buy six dozen and hold them and save five other people from actually being able yeah. to get stuff. It just blows Who's my mind. Who's that phony dude on YouTube that does all those like really corny, um, cheesy, like feel good videos? Well, I can't remember his name. He did a video on like hoarding like syringes or something. Hey guys, this is Phil Howard, founder of Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. I just want to take a few minutes to address something. It has become fairly apparent, I'm sure all of you will agree, over the years that slow vendor response, vendor response times, vendors in general, the, the average is mediocre. Support is mediocre. Mediocrity is the name of the game. Not only is this a risk to your network security, because I've seen vendors on numerous occasions share sensitive information, but there's also a direct correlation to your budget and your company's bottom line. Not to mention the sales reps that are trying to sell you and your CEO and your CFO on a daily basis. That causes a whole nother realm of problems that we don't have time to address. Our back office program at Dissecting Popular IT Nerds, we've put together specifically for IT leadership, and it's on a mission to eliminate this mediocrity. And the best part is that we're doing this in a way that will not cost your IT department a dime. So if you'd like us to help you out, get better pricing, better support, and jump on pressing issues in minutes, not days, then contact us now so we can get on a, a call with you and conduct a value discovery session where we find out what you have, why you have it, and where you want to go and how we can improve your, your life, your IT department, and your company's bottom line. What you're going to end up with is number one, just faster support from partners who care about your organization's uptime and bottom line. And because you're going to be able to access our 1.2 billion in combined buying power, you'll be able to benefit uh, significantly from historical data. And on top of that, you'll also benefit from the skills of hundreds of on-demand experts that we have working behind the scenes that are all attached to our back office support program. So if you'd like, Again, none of this is ever going to cost you a dime. At the very least, it's going to open your your eyes to what's possible. Let our back office team provide you the high-touch solutions and support that your IT team deserves so that you can stop calling 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND for support. Now, if you're wondering, what does this apply to? This applies to your ISPs, your telecom providers, 
all your application providers, whether you're a Microsoft shop or a Google shop, what you might be paying for AWS, even Azure, co-location space, any of those vendors that you're paying a monthly bill to, we can help you with. Hey, it's Greg, the Frenchman secretly managing the podcast behind the curtain. To request your one-on-one call, contact us at internet at popularit.net. And remember, it will never cost you a dime. What are we talking about? We're definitely not talking about security. There's some layer. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll somehow get to this layer of security. But I think the point was is like who is who is Chris Roberts? And I get I wanted to ask you why are you still doing this? Because you seem like the type of person that gets is um, kind of a big deal, and a lot of people say that. And there's there's like everyone and um, uh, a lot of the the youth. The youth nowadays want to get into security. I hear a lot. I want to be an ethical hacker. I hear it a lot over here, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And so you're a role model. You're a role model from that sense. That's how I see you. I see you as like a role model to the industry, but then I see you as someone that gets kind of beat up by corporate America and gets like kind of thrown around from here to there and come speak at our conference. And how do you still do this? And yeah, that's a tough one. I still have you could say money. Money's okay. I mean, we all need that. No, I mean, too. money's. I've got to put food on the table. I mean, let's just face it. I I made enough mistakes that I still have to put food on the table. I can't take a step back and go. Can't don't need to do this anymore. Yeah. You know, What's the mistake? Well, so to save to save people, what would you say some of those mistakes are to save some of these other career security people or someone that might actually become successful. I'm assuming one of those mistakes might have happened when you became somewhat successful and well-known. I'm just, just an assumption. I have no clue. Honestly, the biggest mistakes, um, uh, probably two of the biggest ones. One of them was signing a document I should never have signed. Mm. So I should have had somebody look at that document and that signing that document to this point has cost me the best part of half a million. And deal with the I devil. Have- it was kind of like a deal with the devil. No, I wish you can't say that. X. Yeah, probably an X. So that probably cancels the devil to some degree, but it is what it is. Um, and I still have a fight on my hands for a large chunk of change still to go. That fight's probably going to happen this year. Um, and that's that's a frustrating thing. I, I signed something I should never. I should have had my own lawyer look at it rather than a corporate lawyer. That's that's one mistake. And then the other one, corporate lawyer on the same side of the business. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's it's just for everyone out there listening. When you do grow up in your field and you decide that you don't have no longer have a job, you actually have a career, and then um, someone shows up on your doorstep with a telephone book of legal documents and you get served and you come home to that and your wife signed for it. I'm not talking about anything that's ever happened to me. Um, and then there's a number attached to it that you could never, ever pay, uh, even yep. if you sold your house and all these other things. It's a little stressful. Yeah. That's and and that's I've made a couple of those mistakes. You know, I've been fortunate. I you know, over the years I've done okay on a couple of companies, but unfortunately, you know, you plow it all back in again and then you make a mistake and off you go back to scratch. I you know, it's tough. It's so from that standpoint, you know, I still put food on the table. The flip side is I still enjoy I enjoy the work I do when I can see change, when I can affect change. Um, when I, you know, when you know this, I mean, you walk into a burning building and you get it all sorted out, you get everybody has settled down, you get everything cleaned up and you hand the keys back and basically say, for crying out loud, don't go do that again. That to me, I have a level of, a level of comfort being able to do that. I'm very much a protector. So for me, being able to go in there and fight the good fight, should we say, is good. Now, 
The flip side is obviously so much of our industry is, shall we say, challenged and is out for only one thing only, and that's either themselves or the money in it. And that that tends to uh, that tends to, how should we say, not not exactly align with our our simple remit, which is protect others. So I think for the security guys, and I'm not a security guy. I'm really more of like mm-hmm. a a network IT director leader. You know, yeah. I'm really, I'm really an ex washed up. Someone said washed up telecom guy. No, I still love telecom. I am not washed up, but. Um, I think for the, for the security guys, I'm seeing a lot of opportunity internationally because I think there's international governments and stuff that really appreciate security and really want it versus America where it's kind of like, wow, we, you know, we're still doing a lot of business and making money. And what's the worst case scenario if we get hacked? Whereas I think other yeah. countries internationally are taking it very seriously. Is it, yep. do you find that to be true or no? Well, yeah. I mean, as you said, you're in Morocco. So you look at that whole mid- Middle Eastern neck of the woods, and I've mm-hmm. had some absolutely fantastic conversations with folks over in Kuwait, folks over in Qatar, folks over in Turkey, folks over in Greece. I was actually on the phone, had an amazing conversation with a good friend over in Greece a couple of days ago. And they take you and- seriously. Like they take you like, yeah, they like you're important, like, you, like you're a smart person, you know what you're doing. Like, whereas in America, it's kind of like, well, if you don't know how to make money and you're not rich, and then you're not really a big deal. Even if you have a PhD, we don't care about you. Well, I think it's also uh, uh, to the U.S. To the U.S., it's it's they hedge their bets, uh, and unfortunately, a lot of times, just back to the human nature conversation. You know, in the U.S., it's very much a case of look, I'm I'm going to explain to you what is going to happen. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to tell you your ass is in a sling. It's going to get burned. You're not going to, you know, all these things. And they're like, okay, yeah, go be the CISO, sit in the corner, and uh, just sign the documentation for us. And then when shit actually happens, they're surprised. They get confused. Your ass typically gets fired, or if it doesn't get fired, it's on the hook for a year or two. And and then they're like, oh, okay, we're fine again. And then it just dips down. There's no consistency or air of protecting the very people who hand us, our, hand us their data. So I've said this a lot. I've said that, and it's, I don't think it's anything new. It's very cliche or it's known or it's been said a bunch of times that the the jobs are, your job's very unforgiving, right? Because if you don't, if nothing happens, it's not like people are going around raining a parade for you saying congratulations. And then if something does happen, you get fired. Yeah. And it's, I mean, how do you, not, how do you stay happy? How can somebody be happy in your industry? I think it's because there are ways of doing it. And, and I've got to give where I'm at some credit, which is. I collaborated. So when I came in, I, I had a fantastic CTO. So Charles and I knew what we needed to get done. Absolutely amazing guy. And so we collaborated beautifully. And then the nice thing about it is when I was interviewing the head of engineering who deals all with the software. So, I mean, we literally had the trifecta of DevSecOps that did so many good things. Now, you know, things have changed a little bit, situations change, financials have changed a little bit. So that's been definitely constrained, but we're still able to affect some level of change. And I think that's it. If you're in that position where leadership listens because you're talking their language and they know they're in an environment where they're willing to listen, then you can do things. But unfortunately, so many of my peers are in positions where they're sitting there going, hey, how do we deal with this? And nobody's listening. And that's, I don't have much tolerance for that. Is it their fault or is it a mix of their fault? Is it an inability to connect, discover, and respond with people? Because what you just said is collaboration and talking with people. And mm-hmm. I don't know what to say there. I mean, because the typically the 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 thing the the old days of IT and the IT world before security was a thing, right? Because mm-hmm. back in the internet wasn't built thinking really about security. Yeah. The it, it was, you know, the IT guy was, again, the guy that hid in the server room and we slipped pieces under the door, 
to you know clean a rollerball. You know, clean it's that oh, was no. um, okay. that was. Uh, I mean, that was it, right? So they were never expected to actually talk with people, and now there's this thing called like you know digital transformation, and you know how can we do more and make more money with you know with technology, which is a big deal. And then yeah. security is like a whole nother, like it's this whole other thing. Yeah. And um, most of the, the 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 space that I work with and a lot of the people that are on the show are kind of in the mid-market space. So they've got, you know, 200 to 2,000 end users and you're probably typically called in a much bigger enterprises. So they're not, they're only, ex they're expected to not only run the entire network, but they're also expected to be the CISO at the same time because there's no way that the, you know, the, whatever the CEO is going to pay for a CISO in a, in an no. organization like that when they've got three or four guys. So they've got an even different, I don't know. What's your advice to them? What's your well, advice to that guy? That one's a biggie because I mean, you've seen the, the virtual CISO thing and I'm, I'm two steps away from doing something very similar. I do a couple of those behind the scenes on the advisory side, but there's, there's plans afoot, shall we say, where things are going to change. And I'll probably end up doing more of that virtual CISO, the fractional CISO, where you're right, the 200 to 2000, they're like, hey, we kind of get this. We kind of do get it. We know what we got to do, but we don't know how, where to start. We don't know the balance. We don't know how to have the conversations about risk or probability. And so I get to come in for a heck of a lot less than I would do as a permanent employee for a portion of my time. And I get to help. I get to guide back to that collaboration, cooperation thing. It doesn't work if I just come in and go, thou shalt do this, this, and this, and bugger off again. It works if you walk in and go, hey, how do we affect change? You know, and that's, uh, again, you're right. The, I mean, good grief for life. For anybody who's listening to this, if you have any questions about how our industry used to be, go read the Origins, B-O-F-H, Bastard Operator from Hell. Just read that from like episode one onwards, and you will understand the mindset and the mentality of who we used to be. The say that one more time. Yeah. And then I need you to just say that one more time. And, and just for fun, email that to me so I get the spelling right. Because Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll Greg, I have a Frenchman, by the way. So Greg the Frenchman, who's uh, just my, he's like just, he's my indentured servant um, because he's French. And he's, can I say that? That's probably oh, yeah. racist or something. No, 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 uh, no. It's not. I hate the French, but uh, that's why. That's why, Greg, you're working like a slave for me. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I love my Frenchmen. I do hate the French. Um, can I say that again? I don't think I can. Um, the so, anyways, yeah. Text that to me, uh, and Greg, let's let's we got to throw that in the show notes with a link, some kind of hyperlink, because that sounds like fun. Oh, it's an amazing, it is absolutely an amazing, fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, I have I'll a ton of French you. friends over here. I've learned more French being in Morocco for a, a month. I haven't moved over here yet, but I have been here and they speak a ton of French. So I'm like, oh, I remember how much I hated French class in fourth grade. Oh my I'm God. I'm like, French? bonjour, comment allez-vous, ça va? I'm learning all these things. Uh, la tête, you know, I do a lot of jujitsu, so I'm going to jujitsu class and they're teaching jujitsu in French and I'm trying, you know, I'm like learning all the parts of the body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> like strangulation in French. Oh, uh, okay. So what, so, you, so virtual CISO, 
It's a nice term. It's a nice term because MSP has a negative connotation to it. You know what I mean? Like an MSP is going to try to do this virtual CISO thing, you know, but that's not going to fly. It's not, it's just not going to, what would you do? What would your first thing be like? Do you have a security policy? What, what would be the first thing that you do? Like what's your security no, policy? What I, yeah, security policy can happen eventually. The, the okay. first thing, any CISO, uh, there are two things I always, I, I joke, but I'm not joking. The first thing I typically do with a company is literally, how can I kill you? How would I kill you inside 24 hours? And that goes across a two-person company or a 200-person company, because you'll typically get different bits of the conversation. The finance person in that company will be like, well, you know, if the markets change, great. So I understand that one. The Whoever's running manufacturing is going to be like, well, a handful of sand in there is going to cause a problem. IT is going to have its own way of putting it. And all the different bits of the business, you know, from a logistics from supply chain. So it's like, all right, now I have three or four ways that I could kill your company. Mm -hmm. What do you do about it? And then you mm. start to work backwards from that one. Then you start looking at the awareness. So now you've understood that. Now it's like, all right, so the next question is, okay, so you've got all these assets. Who's who's got who's managing them? How many? And and IT will say, well, we've got you know 20,000, and network team will say, well, we've got 21,000. Security says, well, we only see 18,000. The business goes, well, we've issued 22,000. Then you're like, all right, how do you know what to protect when you don't even know what you have? So take a step back now. Let's get some visibility. Now let's get some understanding. Now let's get some awareness. And at that point in time, now you can start making some inroads into that whole wonderful world of maturity. Mm, love it. Yeah. Love it. How can I kill you? It's so simple. Are you a what about Bob fan? I probably watched it. It's like the family movie. Yeah. Ironically, I, I, <laughs> I'm just about to put a LinkedIn post out in about half an hour, an hour's time. And one of the awards is a What About Bob award. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it was my mother's favorite movie. There's just something about it. You know, gosh, so yeah. simple, you know? Oh, it's it great. Is. So I think that's the other part that frustrates me about our industry, which is why I want to see change, which is why I'm still doing this, is because we so many of the solutions we have enough tech to solve everything at this exact moment in time we have enough tech to solve everything what we don't have is the human aspect of it what we don't have is the ability to communicate to the right people effectively we sure as heck don't have the collaboration i can't count the amount i don't want to count the amount of companies i've walked into where you know security don't get on with the network team because you know the network team wants to do their one thing and security wants to do the other thing you know and then you go to the telecom side and then everybody's confused about that one then you start looking at the dbas and they're all weird and and you end up with this i'm like you're you're all getting the same paycheck from the same company you all really have one job to do yet you none of you can actually communicate and collaborate effectively what the heck is that thumbs up thing whatever None yeah, of you okay. I, I, it's something about my beard when it goes in a certain direction, it creates a thumbs up on the screen and zoom. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> it fantastic by the way. Mine, yeah. mine was all big and bushy, but I shaved the sides down, and so yeah. I'm kind of in that. Do I grow them back again or not? This uh, mine just again falls out from jujitsu, a handful's left on the mat every night. Um, Okay. So, I mean, collaboration, I don't, you know, uh, the Phoenix project didn't help you guys out that much because they made the, they made the CISO look like the dumb idiot and that, that just causes problems in that book. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. um, yeah, that didn't, that's, that's a pure example of no collaboration and it's in a oh. famous best-selling uh, book. Yeah. And that's so, and the problem is, is unfortunately a lot of times that is how it is. They're, they're isolated. They don't necessarily, they're not as effective as they should be, or unfortunately, they're in the wrong part of the organization. I mean, it's 
you know, everybody knows the standard structure, CEO, CFO reports to the CEO and a couple of others. And I mean, your, your average CISO can go, I mean, I've literally had three bosses in the last four months, four or five months where I've been. And I went into the CTO, then I went into the CFO when the CTO left. Then when the CFO was removed, I ended up going in, I'm now, I now report into chief legal counsel. And all three of them, I have to learn the way they work. They have to understand the role of security, both physical and digital, and they have to understand what cover fire I need and what challenges I'm going to cause, and also when I need help and all those things. It's you know, and it really blew my mind with the with just see how I can kill you because you just opened up an entire different world of what this of of how security can make themselves more valuable. I mean, we got to prevent sand from getting thrown in. What does that have to do with um, hacking? Really, not much. Um, I can tell you that I'm a pretty good hacker, and I'm a idiot. I'm just a layman. I'm not even smart, but I have hacked plenty of my plenty of the companies that I've helped in the past. Yeah. Some of them being very, very big companies, just because a buddy of mine that worked inside that company needed help really fast. So I just called up and gave my name to the vendor, and the vendor gave me all the information. Yeah. And did exactly what I said, just because I said I was who he was, yeah. which doesn't make any sense. Uh, I've had vendors. I don't know if you've ever seen this because I think vendors are a weak link. I think I, I do want to ask you what your favorite vendors are, but I do think ven- vendors, I, and supply chain. vendors and supply chain depends on how you look at that, but they definitely are. Uh, you get, well, let me put it this way. There was a, there was a big I don't know, request RFP bid that came out and there was a bunch of people bidding on it. And one thing got through the grapevine, through another thing through the grapevine. And uh, I, you know, I, I went to a vendor and I said, hey, this guy needs some help with this. You know, I think you guys would be a good fit. And he was like, okay. And then I went to another one and then I got an email with, with the client that I was trying to help, their entire network map, all their IP addressing schemes, like their entire Visio, all Visio diagrams, multiple tabs, yep. sent to me from a complete stranger who didn't know me and I didn't know him. And I and it was via the MSP. And it was because the MSP was getting a handout from yeah. the vendor. Uh, so I, I basically called the CTO and I said, hey, uh, Look what I got. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Yeah, wow. That's exactly. a good point. I, I don't really know where I got it. I just know that yeah. some guy from some guy from some other guy sent it to me. So obviously it's out there. So, I mean, have you seen that a lot? I mean, it must happen all the time. Oh, it happens. Yeah, too often. Uh, and so now, back to that step back. As a company, if I don't educate the team that's working inside of me that, hey, our network map with all the IPs and crap on it is considered confidential or even potentially restricted confidential. One, they're not educated, so they know how to send it, handle it, and deal with it. And certainly, they don't know how to read the riot act to a vendor and supplier to say, if I'm sending this to you or I'm giving this access to you, if I see this anywhere else, you know, I will come after you with a freaking taser. And I think that's the big thing is we haven't, and it's probably not labeled. It probably doesn't have confidential, restricted confidential on it. So we're not even doing ourselves a service by going to the business to say, hey, if this is found on the internet, it ain't pretty. Therefore, this is what we need to do with it. It just reminded me of a very past life story with a, a friend that had a friend that used to walk around with a, with a low-level taser and just tase people for fun at 
Well, large, I mean, large I, events. I mean, there's, there's the two different types. That is the one nice thing about this country is you can get away with those stupid things. I mean, you've got the ones where you have to have them close, but I mean, you're going to be close for that one. And if you run into somebody that knows how to turn you into a pretzel, it gets harder. I like the ones with the prongs because you can take like two or three extra steps backwards and you can go to center mass or you can go gangster style and you put one in the head and one in the groin. And then you <laughs> I think this guy was just using it on like a annoying... I can't, I can't even tell. I can't even tell the story. It's it's too inappropriate. <laughs> it's too inappropriate. It was it, it wasn't really even for anyone that probably deserved it. It was. It was I mean, it's just, like cattle prods. They're the same as well. At least a cattle prod, you got an arm's reach on that one. You just get somebody yeah. on the side. Kind of not. I'm assuming we're probably close enough to have been alive. And you you were alive in the 70s. Were you alive in the 70s? Oh, I was alive. Yeah, I was born in 70. So yeah, definitely. Oh. Okay, so you remember a time where if we did things like we probably did when we were younger, we'd be like arrested and on the news. Um, yes, lots. <laughs> yeah. I talk with my friend, and we're, you know, my kids tell me, "Tell me another Jason story," because my best friend was this guy Jason Gilpatrick, growing up. And every now and then we get together, and we're like, "Yeah, you know what? If we if we did that, we, you know, with those paintball guns, or we got onto a boat and we drove out late at night and we drove to the shore where people couldn't see us and we were shooting." Yeah, I mean, it was just like, remember the remember the Roman candles out the roof of the car at people, and you know, I used to surf on the roof of the car for crying out loud, going down the bloody motorway. Steve and I used to surf on the roof. Yeah, so I mean, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, okay, I mean, that's how I got yelled at the first one of the first times I got yelled at was my father had me arrested. Um. Uh, he thanks he dad not, oh yeah oh yeah he and I, i'll he, teach you a lesson <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank me to you know love me now thank me later whatever that yeah, whatever that yeah, line is yeah yeah didn't really work let's face it um, <laughs> okay top vendors you said we have all the tech in the world is there i don't think there's a one size fits all for anybody but is there any vendors that you absolutely love yeah, there's a couple. And I mean, uh, there's so... Uh, I'm I, trying I, to get what... And the reason why I'm doing this is I want to somehow uh, pinch money off of them to sponsor the show. And I'll, um, I don't know, because I've been doing this show now for almost 300 episodes. And you would think I would start asking people for money to advertise on the show, but I haven't done it yet. So why not get Chris Roberts, the guy, the guy to tell me what the top vendors are. And then I'll go to him and be like, hey, just want to let you know, I'm going to mute your name out if you don't give me some money. I don't know, five bucks is fine. <laughs> just, just give me five bucks just so I can say I made something. I got money. I, I, I want to know because if it comes from you, it's true. If it comes from someone else, it's highly skeptical, right? If it comes from a direct sales rep that knocks on your door, it's skeptical. If it comes from you right now, completely unbiased, that's important information. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, no, there's probably a couple. And, oh, and I don't want to say unbiased. I want your biased. I want your very biased opinions on what the best vendors are. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I'm lucky because to me, it's, you know, it's all about the people. I mean, we talk about this. It's all about the people. So for me, the simple one is the, uh, the easiest one is Newspire. So Maria over at Newspire is absolutely freaking amazing because they run our MSSP for us. Again, another one of the scenes came in, came in and said, hey, what are we doing? And they're like, uh, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to build up a knock on the salt. We're going to go find somebody useful for doing it. So that to me is probably one of the biggest ones. Anyone that, that you want to tag to, we'll tag in the episode. Let's do it. Why not? Yeah, Maria's going to be, yeah. be real happy now. So what the heck? That's what happens when you're a good person. That's what happens when you're a good person. Yeah, totally. People do yeah. things for you. <laughs> Anyways. I think, no, you're good. Um, Maria's good on that one. I So I'm helping um, Sivan over at Anixia. So that's another one I absolutely love because that's all about the visibility stuff again. So, you know, again, walking. How do you spell that? 
how do you, how do you spell that? What do they do? I, I don't know why I'm I'm ignorant in the security world. Oh no, you're good. You. I'm yeah, a layman. I, oh no, you're fine. I love the Anixia is O N Y X I A. Okay. Yeah, and Sivan is over there. She's freaking amazing. Um, ton of love for what they're doing on like awareness and visibility. Oh yeah, awareness. That's easy. Gabrielle over at Wiser. Wiser training. You want to talk about somebody who is mission before money. You just got to go talk to Gabrielle for like 10 minutes. And all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, he cares. He wants to see change. He gives half of his stuff away for free. Freaking love him. Wiser. Yeah. Wiser training. Not bugger. Okay. I'll go the other people that are out there that have a number four somewhere in that thing. But yeah, Gabrielle is love what he's doing over at Wiser. Absolutely love what he's doing over there. Okay. Uh, we, need, we need two more. I mean, what 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 about the general stuff? Like, are you? Uh, I mean, like, are you a fan of I don't know, Microsoft right. or something? I mean, or what about right. network? What about network security? Like a SD WAN player or something like that? So the network stuff. I you know it's it that's a that's an interesting one. Um, I like Cato. First of all, I'm wearing the Cato shirt right now. They sent it to oh, me for free. Cool. Nice. Yeah, I haven't messed with them that one. I know. Okay, so back on the DevSecOps stuff for a second, JFrog. Got a lot of love for the folks over at JFOP, like a serious amount of love for what they're doing. And again, because they've got so much stuff on the community side, I think, again, it's back one of those. They care about the problem. They care about what's going on. Still realize they're going to put food on the table. So you spin up JFrog and do some other stuff. And then you just get the balance. Mm. Kind of like Red Hat was donkeys years ago. I mean, you want to go back to how they were. It's like, hey, we want to do this. We want to do an amazing Linux kernel and core and everything else. Mm. But we got to put money on. we got to put food on the table. So I loved what they were doing on that one. Okay. Um, yeah, I think on the network stuff, actually, you know what? Because, I mean, it's like a network device is a network device. To me, it's the people behind it. So we do a lot of stuff with CrossConnect. Um, they are all about the human side of it. They're, they're Denver-ish and a few other places. Colorado Springs, primarily. CrossConnect Engineering. They kind of do the whole gamut of Microsoft, Palo Alto, Cisco, and a whole bunch of other things. And um, like Jeff over there is freaking great. They're, they're one of those people where you get to it. You know what this is like with telecom. You're like, I don't know. I've run out of what I know. Who the heck do I call? Because I already yeah. know. And they're the ones I've put a call into. And they're like, and they're like, I love it's them. like uh, I have my be my best boss, right? The best boss that I ever had. I was in an interview. I've told this story a ton of times. Anyone that's listening to the show, yep, you're going to hear it again. Uh, Donna Wank, I went in for the interview and she was like, so many people have called me and told me to hire you. This was past corporate life. I don't do corporate anymore. <laughs> She's like, uh, so many people have uh, called me and told me to hire you. I feel like you should be interviewing me. She's like, so um, what questions do you have for me? And I said, yeah, why? Um, it was a telecom company, by the way. Yeah. Um, well hated. Um, <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, but there, I, I said, why should I come work for you? And she said, Phil, because we suck less. And uh, I was like, I can run with that. I now know that you're a trustworthy person. <laughs> and uh, it's all about building special teams. Like you say, it's all about the people. It's yeah. about building special teams inside people. Like everyone's going to have a reason to hate AT&T. Everyone's going to have a reason to hate when you're in Denver, Comcast. Everyone's going to remember Quest. Yeah, yeah. Joe Nacho, get Joe Nacho on the phone. I want to talk with him. Ah, he's in jail. Sorry. Uh, I can't talk with him. He's in jail. Yeah. That's, 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 uh, you know, how trust. So it's all about a special team of people that you know inside a company. And if you can build those special teams and collaborate, which has kind of been the theme of this show, the people and collaboration, then you can get something done 
yeah. uh, faster, better, hopefully more secure. And yeah. So, okay. Point. It's also people that challenge you. You know, what I love again, you know, whether, whether it's New Spire, whether it's any of the other teams, I'm going to come in and go, hey, I've got ideas, I've got thoughts. I don't want somebody to agree with me all the time. I want somebody to go, okay, not a bad idea. However, have you thought of A, B, and C? And I'll be like, thought of A, didn't know about B, and holy C, she looks really, really good. Now, I've got to have the humbleness to be able to actually accept that input. But if I've got that, and I can listen to a company that's willing to actually challenge what I'm thinking, that to me is the perfect match, because now you're going to get the best of all worlds. Mm. I like that you said be humble, because I've run into a bunch of engineering minded people or that are like, you will never get the key to my kingdom because then I'll be jobless. I, I, I remember a 600 location, massive, massive hospital network all running on like a 10 gig, you know, beautiful network, like perfect, right? Like beautiful network. And so you had that, that the network guy that had the key to that castle. And then there was like this poor lady managing this old MPLS network with a spreadsheet, with a, an Excel spreadsheet of daily outages <laughs> on about like, I don't know, another 600 weird antiquated PBXs between all these medical facilities that they had patched together. Yeah. And I was like, you know, there's a simple solution to this. It's like, you know, you know, pair off some of this 10 gig network. I don't know, run some SIP trunking, mm. you rub some SIP trunking, do a, you know, I don't know, do a direct routing, bring this direct route, you know, I don't know. Edri I was like, and you'll solve all your problems day one. You won't throw that spreadsheet away. That's the dumbest mm. thing I've ever seen. Nope. No one's getting my key. No one's touching this network piece. You know, this is literally a guy that literally hid in the server closet and did nothing all day. And no one's ever going to talk to him because the CTOs, completely lost in some bureaucratic political yep. battle inside a massive hospital system where there's a crazy pecking order of no one knows what the heck's going on in healthcare nowadays. That's just yep. such an antiquated. I don't know if you do anything in healthcare, but I don't even go near. I Yeah, I, I help out when I need to, but that's about as far as it goes. Back to that whole burning building, running into the burning building. Yeah, that would be healthcare every now and again. <laughs> well, this has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. I, I don't know what to ask you now. I, I'm 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 usually ever I'm really not the guy without words. I would ask you. I don't know what's your this the majority of the people that listen to the show and a lot of people are going to listen to the show now just because of you. But the majority of the people that follow this show are mid market IT directors that do not yeah. have a virtual CSO. Maybe they should hire a virtual CSO. And yeah. I think you gave some really good advice, which is how can I kill you? Um, what do you have? And well, if they don't know, you know, you know, actually rah, lost the screen. Let me come back. I'm going to actually, I pull up because I did a LinkedIn post. Ironically, we can actually help those folks. I did a LinkedIn post mm -hmm. um, not that long ago. Um, and it was all about, it was all about the CISO. It was actually, you know, things to art. Do I, do I need a CISO and all that kind of stuff? It was all about that one. Actually, well, they yeah, need one, but they're not getting one because it's not on the budget. Yeah, that's yeah. Tell me about it. Isn't that the flipping way sometimes? But I think it's one of those things where even if you can't get one, befriend one. I mean, there's you know the security conferences or even that educate yourself. And you don't have to go to RSA. You sure as heck don't have to go to Blackout. Although you're out in Morocco, you uh, get out to. I'm out in Leap, out in Saudi, in Riyadh, in March. Get out to Leap if you can, or come out. To 
Black Hat, uh, Black Hat Middle East Africa is September, October timeframe, November, some point. You don't have but to twist my, my, you don't have to twist my arm to get on a plane to fly anywhere, to be honest with you. It's, yeah, leave it, 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 it in mind. And that's going to be massive, apparently. And it's what I love about it. This is, you know, basically, this is when you think about it, this is a call out to all of those, the, the folks, the, the, the IT managers or whoever. Go out to a local conference, even if you just go to like one of the Black Hat conferences, uh, one of the B sides conferences, or you know, up in Grand Rapids, Gurkhan, or you got LASCON, you got all these other ones. Go out and just listen, say hi, hang out, ask questions. Will you do me a favor for all of our listeners out there? Yeah. Will you um, just email me a list of, I don't know, conferences or something that's from your world that they know? Because everyone's in there, they have their conferences from their world. They might not even think or even know about it, might not even really and what we'll do is we'll put put those links in the show notes of, of some suggestions of where people good suggestions for you know further learning and, and conferences and you know go befriend somebody um <laughs> yeah I'll, no issues on that at all i'll put a bunch out for you i just put a, i put a started an email with you on it so i'll do that that'll be fun that's easy enough to do okay um yeah. beautiful and i'll do okay. stuff i'm I'll do stuff not just in the US, but a lot of US, Europe, and then some Middle East stuff. Yeah, there's plenty of places and where to look. There's a couple of good websites to look for, like all the InfoSec conferences. I'm going to end with one crazy question. You answer this however you want. Um, yeah. You're ex military, wondering how much you, well, I, I shouldn't get political. <laughs> do you ascribe to believe in any possible conspiracy theories? That's one question. Yeah. Uh, what did you do prior to the internet being invented? Or anything that you'd like to share about past, I don't know, anything. All right. So I should, consider- should people join. This is a very touchy question that I never, I never ask because no, I have a lot of people that are in the military. I have a lot of friends that are in the military just because of the nature of jujitsu. Yeah. When you're in jujitsu, you, the class is made up of basically three people, um, middle-aged men like myself going through a midlife crisis that want to be strong and wrestle people. You know, there's that guy. <laughs> yeah. Pops and ex-military guys. And people that just got out of jail. So it's very yeah, interesting. So you got works. cops in there and they're like, hey, I arrested you for like, you know, dealing drugs. Like, hey, that's great. No, let's try and choke each other out. Love you now. Yeah, um, that'll be a fair fight. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I don't know what's more fun for you. So you pick one. Now, what did you do prior to the internet being invented or how you got started? What was your first computer? How you got started in this this craziness? Or do you ascribe to any conspiracy theories or anything that you'd like to share about um, the insane world that we, the insane world? No, oh, it is, isn't it? I'll hit both of those to some degree. So I grew up, to your point, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Um, early 70s, I was at boarding school, and my first computer was a Sinclair ZX80 and a ZX81 with 4K of memory. Actually, we had the extended module that gave you 4K of memory. Um, and we were building joystick controllers and and early worms on that one. Um, 4K. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whole 4K, 4K with a lowercase. Okay, yeah, I think it was my whole my the first time my equipment got confiscated, I was 15 years old, and my modem coupler, my Atari 6800, and a Commodore 64 got confiscated. Why? Uh, I I broke into a bank, um, war dialing. Um, wow. Yep, yeah, shifted some money around uh, back to my father. Thing, my father had me arrested, and the bank was like, "Make it go away. We don't know what to do with it." Um, so you got your first job. Yeah, uh, not quite, but not far off of it. Yeah. Um, I went in the military when I was 18. Uh, I did a training corps and everything else beforehand. So, I mean, I was, 
I was learning to fly. I was doing all sorts of other stuff. And I went in when I was 18 and I got thrown out of airplanes and kicked out of submarines for the best part of 10 years. Mm. Um, in planes and submarines. Oh yeah. And a few other things. What's it like being in a sub way down deep? Uh, confined, uh, especially I'm not yeah. small. I'm like six three and you know, six, three with a couple of hundred pound pack. And, and all of a sudden those things get really, really tight. Um, but mm. it worked. I mean, it was, it was actually warmer than where we were going and it was warmer where we, than where we were going to be dropped off. So we took advantage of it. The, the teams that looked after us while we were on the subs, the sub drivers were freaking amazing. Absolutely loved them. Um, just an amazing bunch of folks, mm. very special. Um, but definitely pretty amazing. So that was, well, good. you gotta be to be locked down underwater for months at a time or however, yeah. I've talked with some guys that were down underwater for like eight months or something in nuke oh, subs yeah. sitting on the bottom. And I, my, yeah. my cousin's a merchant Marine and yeah, he, you know, he, I don't think a marriage ever worked out for him because he was gone for eight months at a time. And, you know, oh, man, and that's it. You're gone. I mean, yes, you can do some signaling and some other stuff, but you're gone and you can't. And it's, it's a very interesting world. Some of the stuff I've done has come out. A lot of the stuff hasn't and probably will never, rarely will ever come out, which I'm perfectly happy with. So you're but, connected with like your comrades and stuff like that. Do you believe in the method behind it or the mission behind it? Because a lot of us, you know, the mission, the vision, the some, told a bunch of lies or I'm just curious. Some, some of it I did. Yeah. I mean, our, yeah. we were, we were fairly specialized in where we got sent and everything else. So we typically got sent in to deal with situations where human life was was at stake. And so being able to resolve that was definitely a nice thing. Um I hear a lot able, about child trafficking and a lot of under a lot of stuff not being told about yeah. child trafficking right now. Done a bunch of that. Uh secret with, forces going in under, you know, tunnels yeah. underground and stuff like that. Oh, all sorts of stuff, yeah. Okay. So that was good. Now the conspiracy theory stuff is fun because I I mean Denver. I mean, Denver Airport, apparently, apart from the fact it's <laughs> completely it's got the evil horse, the blue evil horse that's there. I mean, I Denver, thought that was just a Broncos thing. I didn't, you know, I was like, yeah, uh, that, that horse is freaking, I mean, it's hilarious, but I mean, uh, you know, the underground conspiracy theory of there has everything from the tunnels going from there, obviously to the mountain up to Shire, all over the place. You've got that. It makes sense got, because of the missile silos and stuff, but supposedly we can't have nukes on us soil, but that's a joke. We all know there's nukes on us soil. It's like, it's like a bloody mushroom farm with the stupid things up and down the front range. I mean, I always joked if if ever we if ever somebody does push the big red button, this whole front range will be a glass structure of nothingness for the next million years. Huh. I mean, I I remember because I got briefed on it when I came out here because I still have connections inside that side of the world. But I remember they're like, so you're going to move to the place where literally the most or one of the most concentrated drops of nuke weapons is likely to be. I'm like, you know, might as well. If I'm going to go, I'll go out literally in flames. Within milliseconds. Oh, yeah. Okay. So every now and then Joe Rogan, a Joe Rogan clip pops up on like the atomic bomb testing and, and how that was all fake. And like that whole video of like the buildings blowing up was fake because they're like, well, how could the, how could the camera even stay intact when they videoed that? Uh, because the camera's inside a freaking bunker, lead, which is 12 inches of freaking glass. And, I mean, and that's and, what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, there's no, I know that. Cause I, yeah, those, those bunkers, which they put those cameras in are, uh, let's just call them sturdy. Shall we? 
At Dissecting Popular IT Nerds, we expect to win and we expect our IT directors to win. And one of those areas where we know that we can help you win is internet service providers. As an IT director tasked with managing internet connectivity, few vendor relationships can prove more painfully frustrating than the one with your internet service provider. The array of challenges seems never-ending, from unreliable uptime and insufficient bandwidth to poor customer service and hidden fees. It's like getting stuck in in rush hour traffic, dealing with ISPs can try one's patience even on the best of days. So whether you are managing one location or a hundred locations, our back office support team and vendor partners are the best in the industry. And the best part about this is none of this will ever cost you a dime due to the partnership and the sponsors that we have behind the scenes at Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Let us show you how we can manage away the mediocrity and hit it out of the park. We start by mapping all of the available fiber routes, and we use our 1.2 billion in combined customer buying power in massive economy of scale to map all of your locations, to overcome construction fees, to use industry historical data, to encourage providers to compete for the lowest possible pricing, to negotiate the lowest rates guaranteed, and to provide fast response times in hours, not days, and we leverage aggregators and wholesale relationships to ensure you get the best possible pricing available in the marketplace. And on top of all of this, you get proactive network monitoring and proactive alerts so that you're not left calling 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND to enter in a ticket number and wonder, why is my internet connection down? In short, we are the partner that you have always wanted who understands your needs, your frustrations, and knows what you need without you having to ask. So we're still human, but we are some of the best and we aim to win. This all starts with a value discovery call where we find out what you have, why you have it, and what's on your roadmap. All you need to do is email internet at popularit.net and say, I want help managing all of my internet garbage. Please make my life easier and we'll get right on it for you. Have a wonderful day. Knowing what yeah. you know now about computers and um you said a Z something because in yeah. English we say Z, but I have a lot of I English know. friends that I, say Z yeah, and they I'm say, they say take out the garbage and they're like, hey man. And you know, they got they the, say, rubbish. They got the rubbish. The rubbish. Not, yeah. The rubbish. We don't not, say trash. That's for like no, losers. The garage as well. That's it. I, yeah. This is another reason why I think it, this is a reason why I think uh, people with any type of English accent or something are, you should be more skeptical of them. For some reason, we trust people in America that have an English accent. <laughs> yeah. You ever notice that? No, seriously. I'm like, I'm like, if I need a sales guy, I'm hiring an English guy because for oh, some no. reason traffic I'm going to trust him because he talks like this and he's just trustworthy because he's from England and he's got to be a gentleman. I say, I do apologize. I, I, I wasn't meant to be doing that speed. Oh, I'm ever so sorry. I do apologize. I just flew in. What What should one do? Oh, 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 yes. Ever so well, well done, that chap. Thank you very much. Good for keeping everybody. <laughs> I'll buy it. Where do I sign? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it makes no sense, but that's how <laughs> idiotic we are. So knowing what you know, having had a Zed something model computer, I definitely understand Commodore. I understand that it was way above my mind, but um, you got locked up for um, moving I didn't get locked up. the bank. I didn't, well, I didn't, you got your hand slapped because you're a youth and they're probably oh, like, yeah. oh, he's such that's a smart kid. Yeah. You know, you should like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Mm. Um, Knowing what you know now about the ability to compute, yeah, and and again the Frenchman, Greg, yep, 
Greg, the Frenchman is going to do it. He's already done it. He's already doing this whole collaboration on please. Will some please psychologically help Phil? Um, he has like a whole collaboration of me asking this question to all kinds of people in the show and, and he's making fun of it. But, um, did we land on the moon? Yes. You really believe that? Oh, I more than believe it. Um, the more I, I read about it, the more I yeah. read about the lift and the physics behind it, not just the general picture of everything that yeah. they told everyone, but when I look, read like the the rocket engines yeah. that had to list 10 million pounds and like the ability to, you know, well, they looked out the window and they used the stars to to navigate and, and all the problems that could go wrong and how many times we test a Boeing 7047 before we even allow it to get off the ground and we didn't test hardly anything before we sent men to the moon. Well, I just don't believe we were, it. We, because it was a race. I mean, we didn't want the Russians getting there first. It had nothing to do with, I mean, it had to do with engineering. I get that. It was a, this was, you know, I mean, they already beat us into space. Let's face it. And that, I mean, the amount of aggro and hassle and anger and chest beating that that caused, I mean, that was egg on the face moment for as far as this country was concerned. We've been beaten by the commie. I mean, good grief. Oh, yeah. No collaboration. Then we need to be the best. At this point, I've read so many books on the subject. That I yep. feel like I have more evidence that we didn't land on the moon than we did. So uh, let me caveat that. I'm very fortunate. Uh, a former, a very good friend of mine and former significant is uh, her father is emeritus chairman of the Smithsonian Air and Space Institute. Yeah. A very, very good friend of theirs was a one single Mr. Armstrong along with his life. Now they were very, very good friends and. Uh, David is still a member of a society, shall we say, that uh, that Neil and others were a member of. And so, yes, uh, knowing I did not get to know Neil personally. I knew his wife, but Neil unfortunately passed away before I got to know him. But David and a few others, David actually has one of the postcards that went there. So knowing that connection and also hearing all the stories from Neil and everything else on that one, I have that firsthand experience. So I would absolutely say yes. And there's no, I mean, yes, we'll go with that one. Okay. Yeah. Really hoping for more, but you know, Sorry. whatever. You gotta no, no, what are you gonna do? Now, um, some of the other crazy now, some of the other crazy I think here's where it gets interesting because some of the other crazy why have, have we not gone back? No, here's the why have we not gone back? Why, why, why? We have an iPhone. We did it. We did it. Nah, I don't think we, we no, did it. No, we did it. Yeah. Well, this I, first a, of all, I don't believe we did it. So well, I really don't. No, that's uh, here's the thing. We did it, which was an up yours to the rush. <laughs> Seriously, this no one happen. else has landed on the moon since we should have a colony on there. We should have a we should have all kinds of stuff on there. We should have I don't know. We should have something going on on the moon. I, nowhere and nowhere have we ever gone backwards in history. We've no. never gone backwards in technology. Uh, so this is the one thing of boom. We did. We had the Concorde. We used to be able to fly passengers at the speed of sand, and then we got rid of it. Okay. And now that's why booms we're building another one because we're like I don't I don't want to sit on a tin can for fourteen or sixteen hours get my ass there as fast as human. No, but we have planes that go faster than the Concord did. That's just a choice. That's just like a like. Can we? Is there any? That's like a again back to it's a, a choice. But it's the same thing with the moon. We have that same thing with the moon. We have a choice, but we decided we've done it. We put the biggest middle finger known to mankind by putting a flag on that place. Let's face it. And if you get a powerful enough telescope, you can see that flag on there. I don't think you can prove it. Ooh, I don't think I there's a powerful enough telescope th that's seen it. I've already right. Googled that. I've already Googled that. Every, I've Googled every objection that everyone's come up with. Um, I know you probably don't have time. I don't know if you read books in the bathroom, but I read all these moon books in the bathroom because I figured, why well, am I going to waste time on something that's just a conspiracy theory? Well, I'm in the bathroom, so I must read these books while I'm in the bathroom. I'd be happy to send you the three that I sent after it. I was 
I mean, really, I'm like a little blown away. I can't. Sp- yeah, chuck them over. That'll be fun. I I don't mind reading. I have. I mean, it's like anything. I love. I actually love reading about the stuff because I'm always intrigued by. It. I was up in upstate New York, and we were talking about tunnels, the tunnels going in and to and from DC and everywhere else. And somebody mm-hmm. said, "There's a tunnel from upstate New York going in." I'm like. I find it hard to think that we would do that because of the engineering involved, but knowing we've done stuff everywhere else, okay, let's go, let's, let's go dig for it. Let's go find, see what we can find uh-huh. and spend a bunch of time trying to figure that one out. It was actually kind of cool. Was there a tunnel? Uh, we didn't find one, but I kept hearing <laughs> all these, I kept hearing all these like, well, maybe it's there and this and that. No, but, like an um, old abandoned tunnel or one that's being used like secretly by the government or something. Potentially one that's being used secretly by the government, but this is coming from somebody who was a kid I found a map of where all the World War II tunnels were in the UK. And there were a bunch of us when I was in the air clinical. We have sailed into a bunch of that. And we were walking around all these old mines, all these old tunnels, all <laughs> yeah, these there old is. Uh, so stuff like that was around. So what's to say we haven't kept doing some of that and we've managed to keep things a little more secret. Now, flip side is is keeping things secret is hard. Tell you know, and that's that's I think where I also I also have a problem with the whole thing. Oh, well, there's a, yeah, there's, can't go down that rabbit hole right now, but there's a plenty of evidence of, <laughs> of how when you run an organization and you have, and we just talked about it on this entire call about how uh, a lack of collaboration and how easy it is to uh, divide an organization up into a bunch of different parts that don't communicate with each other and just send orders down and say, Hey, go make this part. We need this for the rocket. Yes. Yeah, no, I get they're it. working on it together, but there's no communication all the way up to the top. I mean, um, well, that's, I mean, you get a lot of that stuff, the compartmentalization. I remember, do you remember the Global Explorer, that whole shenanigans about us uh, acquiring the Russian submarine using an oil drink? That was uh, back in the Howard Hughes days. No, so I don't were, know the, that. Yeah, read that one. That You want to talk about a conspiracy, not even a conspiracy, I mean, it was a conspiracy theory, but there's actually a lot of truth to it. You want to talk about, so that was freaking amazing the global explorer thing that is one of those things where global explorer global explorer yeah Mm. Um, i mean i can explain all these things because it's just a new world order that we're trying to build and really no one's really in charge of anything you know right you know i do i do okay i (laughs) wish somebody i wish we could actually figure out who to blame for some of this crazy shit i I want i want a door i want a number and i want that computer because because we're going to make some changes i tell you uh black rock let's see it's probably a bunch of other people what else can we say can i say that i'll probably get shot now if i well (laughs) you're gonna have to come find me (laughs) you have to go uh you know what's really interesting about morocco is it's very secure police everywhere people respect the police everyone talk with the police it's very awesome not globally safe Glomar, Glomar Explorer. I'm actually sending Glomar. you. Yeah, Glomar. I'm sending you. I'm sending you the Wikipedia. Yeah, Glomar Explorer. Um, the mum, There we go. I'm sending it to you. There we go. It's on. Uh, I kicked it over to you on LinkedIn. So yeah. you pretty much well, pri- you pretty much play in the business world, but so I mean, I mean, oh, I play, is yeah. our government secure? No. I, if I had to guess, I would say highly insecure. Oh, it's absolutely not secure at all. I mean, you're talking complete to joke. I, 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 years and years ago, I helped build certain tools and certain sets for certain sets of people. And then, you know, several years ago, like three, four, five years ago, some Muppet managed to lose half of those tools. <laughs> well done. I mean, I'm like, you're going to be freaking kidding me. So no, unfortunately, I mean, we know that OPM breaches, we continually, there's continual breaches on this one. They're one of the biggest targets. 
I, you want to talk about nukes. This is an interesting one, and nukes. And we were talking about this. Uh, there were a number of us who were running through some scenarios because I still play on that side of the world. I still have a foot on that side of the world. Mm-hmm. And somebody was like, oh, my gosh, you know, the nuclear weapons are still using, you know, fucking floppy disks. And I'm like, yeah. I said, you really want to connect those things up to the computers? No. You want to put them on the internet? Mm, no. But then we got talking about the signaling and who owns, you want to talk about telecom, in the middle of Nebraska, in the middle of Wyoming and all those ones, who owns the telecom that runs the signals to and from those places? And, and it isn't American companies. So, yeah, there's some fun conversations to be had across that entire part of the world. Mm. Oh, yeah. I love mm. this stuff. It's I I have you know, a I have like a an old IT director that worked, you know, he was like the guy that you know, just the kind of like the local guy that was drove around in a an old white pickup truck with the shocks all busted out but like 15 antennas on it you know like the antenna guy you see the antenna guy driving around he's the antenna guy but he's also the it guy so he was still communicating via what's that wireless network that's like opens open you know to the public it's like operates on like you know two baud two baud or something like that you know what i mean there's no way so he can like, you know, he's just always excited. He's like, you know, when all hell breaks loose, you know, I'll still be communicating globally. It won't be fast, but I'll still can send a message, you know, via this old, you know, like antenna network, you know, somehow or radio, radio frequency network. I can't, I got to look it up. I don't know if that'll work. If we, if we do high altitude DMPs, I don't know if that'll work or if it'll fry. That would be an interesting one because you have a long antenna. That means you have something really big and long that frequencies can really get nasty on. Uh, it's, it's like a whole, like, uh, you know, con, con group of convoy guys, you know, hey, we're communicating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like that type of thing, you know, for fun. Yep. Like, uh, but uh, this has been fun. I, oh. uh, final message to send to uh, anyone out there listening. I, I think it's that one thing I want to on the gravestone. I just want people to ask one more question. To your point, you know, the conspiracy theory, whether you believe them or don't, investigate them, make your own mind up, but ask the damn question. Same thing with security, same thing with IT and technology. Stop accepting what's given to you and get out there and ask another question. I love it. Uh, Chris Roberts, kind of a big deal. Thank you so much for being on Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Thank you. Hugely appreciated.